Hey everybody, welcome back to the second episode of On the Black. I'm Zach Gifford of the Intrepid STL here again with my co-host Joe Schwarz. Joe, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. I was excited to hear the news while at work today and I'm looking forward to talking uh, with you about Mike Leake's trade to the Mariners. Yeah, so we'll just get straight into it. We won't play around too much, but I saw it. Uh, I think late this morning, Bob Nightingale was the first uh, first one to report on it, and then Ken Rosenthal confirmed some details later on. What are your thoughts, I guess, on the timing of the trade? Um, I, the guy the Cardinals got in return, I don't know if you've seen much about him, and then just sort of, in general, Leak's tenure in St. Louis and how it ended. I mean, I mean regarding uh, who they got back, they didn't, He's not really anything. Uh, He was signed as an international prospect at the age of 16. He's a shortstop, can't really hit. I don't really expect him to do anything for the Cardinals, but at the same time, any trade that's made after the non-waiver deadline, I don't expect uh, you to get much in return. Uh, So the fact that they were able to rid Mike Leake's contract and... um, basically clear up his rotation spot to me is a good is a win for the organization uh money really shouldn't matter to the st louis cardinals they're valued at over one and a, i think a half billion they've they've got the money to spend on mike leak but i think there's better options in luke weaver and jack flaherty and austin gomber um adam wainwright if he is ever able to get healthy again so i'm excited that uh I mean, it's it's never exciting to lose a player. I mean, I feel like Leak did. He he gave it his his whole effort for the Cardinals, but I think the Cardinals are better off now than they were earlier this morning. Yeah, and the Cardinals are also going to be paying the Mariners. I think it was seventeen million over the course of Leak's contract. So the return that we got was even a little bit smaller. But you mentioned that. You know, losing a player is never exciting, but we're the guy that is going to be replacing him at least in the near term until Adam Wainwright gets back is Jack Flaherty. And I know you were really excited about him in spring training. I think I remember you talking about how he possibly already had the best curveball in the organization. We're going to get to see him Friday night in a West Coast game against the San Francisco Giants and then for the foreseeable future until Adam Wainwright gets back. So what are... Your expectations for him, what should people be looking for? What can you give us about you know what you've seen in his repertoire, anything like that? Uh, the biggest thing about his repertoire that excites me is how polished it is, especially for being a prep uh, player as he was. He's got a really good slider. He's got a really good curveball. Um, his changeup might even be the best of the bunch. And then he's got a fastball that's 90 to 95. Uh, 92 to 95 maybe so the fact that he already has four pitches the fact that he's only going to grow with those four pitches is really exciting to me because I feel like a guy like Leak or a guy like 36 or 30 however old Wayno is now that he just had his birthday those guys kind of have a limited repertoire and that's not how it is with Jack Flaherty so I mean I'm just looking forward to the fact that We've got another exciting arm, kind of like we've been seeing with Luke Weaver over his last couple of starts. Instead of Mike Leake's kind of a known quantity, and Flaherty 
isn't yet, and but he's got a higher ceiling. And I know you've had plenty to say about high floors versus high ceilings. So it's definitely exciting for what Flaherty's going to bring to the club. Yeah, I think what I like most about it is that you get a guy who, based on the projection systems, I'm using Fangraph's depth charts, uh, but right now he's projected for a 4.3A fielding independent pitching, so ERA is probably around that. Um, but we can basically use 438 as an expectation for him going forward, and that's without knowing too much about him. That's based totally on his minor league numbers. It doesn't, to my knowledge, doesn't really look too much at his actual raw stuff. But basically, over the course of a full season, he's expected to be worth 2.6 WAR right now. Um, so he's already an above-average pitcher. Um, I think he probably rates out in that regard better than what Mike Leak would rate out as in the projection system. So I think you're replacing Leak with a guy with similar talent but better upside, and for you know league minimum, so around between five hundred thousand and six hundred thousand dollars instead of uh, what Mike Leak was making, which was like fourteen million or sixteen million. And obviously you got to factor in the cost, you know, probably three or four million per year that we're picking up for Mike Leak, but it's still cheaper to go with Flaherty instead of Leak and hope that, you know, maybe Flaherty can sort of develop into a number two, number three guy maybe over the next year or so. And then by, you know, by the time he gets to his arbitration years, maybe him, Carlos Martinez, Alex Reyes are, you know, a three-headed monster at the top of the rotation. But you don't, you don't know that unless you see it. So I think it's great to give him the opportunity I know a lot of people, including myself, were calling for him to help out in the bullpen already. So I, I think this is probably the best case scenario for him. I, it'll be interesting to see how his arm holds up. I know Craig Edwards over at Viva Alberto's pulled some stats together this morning right after the trade and said showed that Flaherty has a 2.18 ERA and a 3.33 FIP across uh, all of his minor league 148.2 minor league innings this year. So there's a lot to be excited about um, repertoire-wise. I haven't seen him too much, but what I have seen has been very impressive. I watched one of his games not that long ago, and he really controlled. Um, it seems like he controlled the zone. He controlled the hitters. It was great to watch. Um, but now that leaves a little bit of an opening, I think, in the bullpen for either some prospects to come or maybe some guys who are currently down there to take on a bigger role. So what are you thinking for that unit in terms of maybe guys that we might see as September call-ups that, you know, with a good performance could make something for themselves next year? I think, and if you follow me on Twitter, you've you've kind of heard me or read me tweet about this for a while, but... I think the hottest pitcher in the minor league system, while he's not at AAA, is Austin Gomper. He's a lefty, um, kind of has a little unique uh, mechanics, kind of looks like uh, Clayton Kershaw in the windup, actually. Uh, I think, and I know we have a lot of lefties. I know Kevin Segers is going to come back up, but Austin Gomber is a type of pitcher where it doesn't matter if it's a lefty or a righty, really. Um Obviously, we don't know. We don't have big enough sample size to determine that fully, but his stuff in itself is fine for lefties versus righties. Now, he's won his last six starts. He's got a 0.89 ERA in his last six starts. Um, he's only allowed a couple of runs. And I think 
he's one of the guys that I want to see coming up. I think Sandy Alcantara, uh, he just got moved to the bullpen down in Double A. I think he might be looked at, but he's going to to the fall league, so maybe the the Cardinals are gonna they don't want to look at him until next year. I don't know based on how he relieves in the fall league. So yeah, and and I think if Wainwright comes back, uh, I don't think he will. But if he comes back, then Flaherty will move back to the bullpen, or Weaver will move back to the bullpen. So I don't think there's really that many openings other than the guys who've already been up, like Lucas, or I, I hope Myers doesn't come back up because he's it's he, just scary to watch him. Yeah, he's, he's struggled too many times now to really want to give him too much of a chance. But to that point, if there was a time to give him a little bit of a run, it's you know, if you get to the second half of September and you're still too far out of the playoff picture to re- realistically make a run, maybe you give him a little bit of, like, maybe give him another kind of two weeks because I think at the end of this season you're going to have to make a 40-man decision with him. Um, and so you really want to know, like, is this what we have? Because he's, in AAA, he's been pretty good. He hasn't been great. When he's gotten up to the major leagues, he's been terrible. Is that small sample size? Is his stuff just not good enough? I maybe it would be worth seeing him for another two weeks, but not if you're still, you know, actively trying to win. Um, and to your point about Gomber's or Gomber's splits this year. So this, I don't really know how many, I'm trying to find total batters face. I don't see it, but 38 innings against lefties and 99 innings against righties. So you can ballpark probably total batters faced out of that. He's allowing, a 1.29 whip and a 250 batting average to lefties, and he's actually been better against righties uh, with a 1.12 whip and point and 207 average. Whip and average aren't my favorite stats, but they're what I could find easily enough on MILB.com, so that's what we'll use. So not a huge split issue with him. I don't, you know a lot more about him than I do, I think, but maybe he is a guy that we could see in September either probably in a bullpen role and then maybe auditioning for a starting spot next year. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be on the 40-man this offseason or else he's exposed in the Rule 5 draft. Right. And I think there's a lot of people on the 40-man that are disposable um, right now. So if they're going to bring him up over the offseason, and especially like you said, if they're not in the playoff hunt, which right now they're, I mean, they're falling a little bit, um, why not bring him up and see what he can do this year if they're going to add him in the offseason anyways? Yeah, and like like we said, get him an audition, see what he's got, because spring training, obviously, you can see a little bit, but guys are gearing up. You're not always facing major league hitters, so September's a little bit better of a chance to get that audition, see what it looks like. Um, another interesting name for possible spot in the bullpen is Sandy Alcantara. Um, obviously... We've heard of him mostly for his fastball, 100 miles an hour. He's struggled a little bit this year with command, looking just at his you know base-level stats like walk percentage or walks per nine. Um, part of that, of course, has been, I think, intentional. When we were at the Blogger Weekend um, back in June, somebody asked uh, then-general manager John Mozalik about Alcantara's command issues and he pointed out that they were trying to get him to use his off speed a little bit more Uh, and at that time I think his walks per nine were up around five 
Right now they're down to 4.32, so maybe he's starting to settle in a little bit. Um, but he did struggle when we saw him back in spring training, and that was when he was auditioning for potentially a bullpen spot right away. So do you think he'll be a guy that we see this September? Do you think he's a guy that we might see in the bullpen next year, or do you think he's somebody that they're going to let keep developing down in the minor leagues and try to get him into a starter sort of like what we did with Alex Reyes? Uh, I don't think he'll be called up this September. I don't think, uh, given the depth of the starting pitchers in the Cardinals organization, I think they'd actually rather have him in the bullpen going forward. Um, I don't. I can't say that for sure, but I think if I had the crystal ball, they're looking for him to be a reliever going forward. So I think based on how he does in the fall league is what's going to determine where if he has a shot in the bullpen in 2018, I'd like to see him there. But from scouts that I've talked to and and from some sources that I've spoken with, his fastball, though it is over 100 miles an hour, sometimes it doesn't play that way because it's pretty flat. And sometimes he throws it right down the middle. So if he's able to locate it better, like up and in to righties or up and into lefties and actually play up the velocity – or paint the outside corner kind of like Trevor Rosenthal did. Rest in peace, Trevor Rosenthal. Um, I think he'll be exciting going forward, but I still think he's got some work to do, and I don't see him coming up in September, but maybe opening 2018 in the bullpen. Yeah, I think he'd be an exciting guy to see again in spring training. He's currently at 125 innings pitched, which is his most in a season um, just surpassed last year's total, and so hopefully you know he'll add on to a little bit of that. I wouldn't want to push him too much this year. He's only in Double A right now, and he's struggled at his first taste making the jump from A to Double A, which most people would tell you is the hardest jump in professional baseball, other than going to the major leagues. Um, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Did he get promoted today to the bowl, to the major league team? Hold on. Alcantara. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see anything. Neither do I, but I just... Sorry for all of our listeners. <laughs> um, I don't think he did, but this guy tweeted at him saying, we're so excited about you getting promoted to the bigs, but I don't see anything about it. Well, either way, let's move on. So if he got promoted, I'm excited to see what his arm does. Maybe we uh, maybe we just help break some really you know low key news here on the podcast. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Um, but you mentioned so you mentioned Trevor Rosenthal, rest in peace. Um, so he'll be he underwent Tommy John surgery. Reports were that it went well. For the most part, you know that's a year recovery. We've seen some guys come back a little sooner. Some guys take a little bit longer. Um, Zach Duke, obviously, he got back pretty quickly Lance Lynn was able to take an extended layoff uh, more like I think 16 months instead of the traditional 12 Rosenthal is heading into a key season next year he'll be in his final year of arbitration which for people that don't know they're under team control at least you know the standard way it plays out players get three years of arbitration and generally you get a raise based on performance um, each season so as long as you keep playing well generally you get a raise Trevor Rosenthal 
before the injury was probably slotted to make around $10 million next year. Um, at least get a, at least get a little bit of a raise from, I think he's at about $6 million this year. So maybe we'll say before the injury we were looking at 8 to $10 million. Now with the potential that he's out until July, August, or even further, do the Cardinals tender him an offer next next off season or do you think that they sort of let him go um you know not wanting to commit too much money to a very risky uh contract year uh i man it, this one pains me because trevor rosenthal is one of my favorite pitchers um in all of baseball obviously i'm biased with the cardinals and Carlos Martinez and Alex Reyes and those type of guys, but I, I don't know. I think they've got to tender him an offer just because maybe, I don't know, maybe he has one of those freakish returns, and then if he, he has value even when he comes back from Tommy John, so if he comes back early somehow and it's the trade deadline next year, I know that'd be really early. Um, but you never know. Maybe they can deal them, or maybe I don't know. It, it, I'd like to hear what you have to say. I just, yeah. I don't think I'm. So, I'm getting emotional about it because I like Trevor Rosenthal so much. So you're usually a little less emotional. So let's hear what you have to say. Yeah, I mean, I, he's a great guy to root for, and like, I don't know. The last five years, he's caused a lot of emotional rides in the ninth innings. Um. But, honestly, it depends on price. Because if you get two months of good Trevor Rosenthal, he might be worth, you know, 6 to $10 million in those two months. And if those two months are in the middle of a playoff race and he comes in and solidifies the eighth of the ninth inning, then that's great. The Cardinals, like you said, shouldn't be, hand, like, really handcuffed by, you know, offering Trevor Rosenthal, you know, $6 million. If we... If we were projecting him to get $10 million over the course of a full season, maybe you know with the injury, the shortened timeline, maybe now we're looking at three to four. I don't really know if you can do that in arbitration, scale back salary like that. So let's just say $6 million for the sake of argument. I think the Cardinals can swallow that and see if he comes back. Obviously, it would suck to waste $6 million on a guy that can't get off the DL. And I think there are there should be at least, you know, major concerns with how he's going to come back being a guy who depends on velocity, never had great command in the first place, even though this year he had been pretty good. I think I would tender him as long as they don't think that that would handcuff their ability to go out and get a bullpen piece to replace him, assuming that he can't come back at all. I mean, if you need to go out and get an eighth inning guy on, you know, a three-year deal, can you do that and sign Trevor Rosenthal? Is there a certain dollar amount that you're willing to spend on your bullpen? Do you want to avoid big contracts after, you know, what so far has been like a disaster with the Brett Cecil signing? So I think, I think I tender him. I don't have too much hope. I don't think he'll have hardly any trade value. Um, I don't think anybody would be, at least not until, like, the waiver trade deadline, and at that point you're not really going to get anything for him. Um, So maybe you get him back around the all-star break if everything goes really, really well, and then you can pitch him for a few weeks. If he's good Maybe and you're in the race, you keep him. If he's good and you're not in the race, maybe you move him 
in the non wait like during the non waiver trade period or the sorry the waiver trade period after July thirty first. But yeah, I I don't know. It's tough to see. He's a guy easy to root for. He really solidified the ninth inning. It was great to see him back to form, and then just to have it all of a sudden, you know, just go like that. It's tough to see. I don't know if it was something that obviously you know relievers, any pitcher nowadays, especially ones that throw hard, carry high injury risk. So it's you kind of you couldn't see it coming. You couldn't have predicted it, but it it's not really a surprise that it happened. Uh, and so now I guess we'll segue into some questions that we got on Twitter. Um, we got quite a few, so we're going to try to condense them into basically three main categories. Um, so the first one we had, somebody asked about Tyler Lyons. I'm pulling that up now. Sorry for the a little bit of the delay here. Um, let's see. So Lauren Porter asked, what... What does Tyler Lyons' stats of pitching back-to-back days look like, and does it bode well for his future as a late-inning reliever? So I'll let you talk for a little bit about what you've seen in his repertoire before we go into the day's rest stats, because I know you really like what you've seen from him recently. Yeah, I, I've loved what I've seen from Lyons lately. Um, I love his fastball. I love his curveball. I, well, I don't really like his fastball, but when it's paired up with his curveball, I like it. I think um, his pitching up and away to righties or up and in to lefties and then dragging the curveball down and into righties and down and away to lefties, I think that just that sequence is beautiful. I think they cross they cross relatively late. I know the spins are different, so the hitter should be able to pick up the difference because um, they are very different spins. But I just think it's a u- unique route that he's been taking and a unique approach he's been taking, I think it's been successful for him. And it obviously has been. He's been one of the best relievers in baseball. Yeah, and so the concern, I think, going from a starter to a reliever is how how can Tyler Lyons adjust to being a guy who pitches every fifth day to a guy who's going to have to pitch back-to-back days. Sometimes he'll get one-day rest, two-day rest, and sometimes you go a week without doing anything. Um so I pulled his game log data from the last since 2016, and he's been a full-time reliever basically over that whole period. He had an injury sprinkled in there, some I think trips back and forth to the minor leagues, but we have pretty solid data on him. About um, how many innings is this? About 100 innings with 105. Um, so I looked at when he gets one or less days rest, so either back-to-back days or one day in between games. He's made 29 appearances, and those appearances he's gone 41 innings. Um, he is a little bit more wild in those situations, so his walk rate's up at 12% compared to about 6% otherwise. Um, but his ERA has been under 2 at 1.98. His fielding independent pitching is still strong at 3.77. It's not as great, but it's definitely, um, it's definitely still a, pretty well above average. Looking at two to three days, which is kind of the sweet spot, especially especially in the postseason, usually you kind of get some time between. So if you're looking for a high leverage rel- reliever, you probably want to look one to three days. So on two to three days of rest, he's had 21 appearances, 
39 innings. Strikeout rate's a little bit better at 32%. Walk rate improves down to 7%. ERA is still strong at 2.33, and his FIP is even stronger at um, at 2.83. So really good peripherals there. Really good results that he's gotten so far. Interestingly, when he gets four days rest, which maybe you can talk about this a little bit, his strikeout rate goes all the way down to 20%. Uh, his walk rate goes down to 3.6%. His home runs per nine more than doubles from 0.7 to 1.8. Um, his ERA is still pretty strong at 3.55, but his fielding independent pitching is at 4.83. So that's kind of weird for me, a guy that used to be a starter not being able to pitch all of a sudden when he gets you know, four days rest, a normal starter's rest. Uh, but maybe... You know, you can speak to a little bit of what might be going on there, and maybe some mechanical things that might be that might suit him better in the bullpen. Yeah, I think that's part of the the issue that we've always seen with Tyler Lyons when they've given him the chance to be the starter is some starts he looks and and that's on four day rest. Some starts his curveball looked great. Uh, it was diving like absolutely disappearing to hitters. And then some days it didn't look great. And I think a big part of a curveball pitcher, which Tyler Lyons is, uh, is the consistency in the mechanics. And I think being able to pitch every two or three days, a um, couple innings at a time, throwing all the warming up in the bullpen, getting that grip down, getting that release point down is huge for Tyler Lyons. And I think that what we saw all this time when the Cardinals were trying to push him as a starter, and I get it, he... He was a starter in the minor leagues. He has a repertoire that should be okay as a starter. He's a lefty. He's got durability. Um, I guess he, he just wasn't suited for it. And it, and they're benefiting now, now that they've put him in the bullpen, uh, largely because he couldn't have been optioned this year. They kind of had to they had to keep him or else he'd, he'd be exposed. Just curious, so I, do you think he's a guy that you could slot into the ninth inning? Because right now he's been mostly in the 7th or 8th. I, I don't know that I'd trust him with the ninth inning. Obviously his numbers have been good, but I, I don't know. It does To me at least, it doesn't really seem like he has that sort of makeup. I don't know what you think. I don't know. I don't really believe in the whole, the whole makeup of you have to be a closer. Because I think a lot of the times we hear about a closer makeup, it's when the guy throws really hard and he like looks mean like Al Habrowski or John Rocker <laughs> or something. I think if you got the stuff to do it, and if you've got the swagger, he's definitely got the swagger going, he can pitch in the ninth inning. Um, I, Given who we have right now as options, and until someone else steps up, I don't see why not giving him the opportunity. Yeah, he doesn't. he's not going to blow anybody away. Um, but, I mean, he's striking out hitters just as much as a lot of closers out there. So as long as he's got this, he's on this roll kind of like, I know the hot hand isn't necessarily statistically, you can't really back it up, but he's got it going on right now. So I'd love to see him in the bullpen, per, or closing personally, just because I don't really like any of the other options right now. I'd be interested in giving um, Sheriff a chance to close in September. I, in really small sample size, obviously he's been pretty good. He was good down in Memphis, but... And, it, and he has more familiarity with the role, but I, like you said, I don't know that it really matters. I, I think some players would say it's nice to have a structure, so it's nice to know that they're a seventh inning guy, an eighth, eighth inning guy, and a ninth inning guy. 
Um, but I don't know that you need to be a certain type of pitcher to make it work um, in those different roles. If you have the stuff, you have the stuff. If you like structure, I don't know that your placement in the structure matters too much. So we'll move on um, to a starting rotation question. We got a couple of people asking different variants of it, basically. Um, but Bronx Bombers video, so I guess a Yankees account, asked, does the 2018 rotation include both Luke Weaver and Alex Reyes, and then who else might be an option? So currently the Cardinals have under contract for next year Carlos Martinez, Adam Wainwright, Michael Waka, and then some combination of Alex Reyes coming off Tommy John surgery, Luke Weaver, Jack Flaherty, or some of the other prospects we mentioned a little bit earlier. Lance Lynn is going to be hitting free agency. If you listen to the front office, it's you know almost guaranteed that he's going to leave. I think the Cardinals should give him a qualifying offer, but I don't know if I don't really expect them to do that, and I don't know that I would expect him to take it. Um, so I guess with the current roster construction, do you see the Cardinals promote like a pretty aggressively promoting a combination of Weaver, Reyes, and Flaherty, or do you think they're going to address the need from outside, maybe go get a free agent pitcher, hopefully on a shorter term deal, unless they can get an ace, which they probably won't. Um, so I don't know. I guess what do you see the 2018 rotation looking like? I mean, I think it's going to be um, – I don't think they're going to go out and get anybody. Uh, I'd still like to see them consider Lance Lynn, uh, but we're not going to get into that because we could talk for hours about that. So uh, to cross off the boxes of what I don't think it would be, Alex Reyes, no, he's just not going to start in the rotation. I can almost guarantee it. Uh he was going to start this year in the bullpen even before we found out that he had Tommy John. So after getting Tommy John, he's absolutely going to start in the bullpen, uh, particularly with the uncertainty of Trevor Rosenthal, the fact that Sungwano is probably not going to come back, uh, having an Alex Reyes-type arm at the, end of, or at the back end of the bullpen will be nice, especially to start. Maybe he'll work his way in patient. Uh, everyone needs to remember Carlos Martinez before he became an all-star starter uh, pitched in the bullpen for two years 2013-2014 so maybe that's what they have in store for Alex Reyes so the fourth would be Luke Weaver like I said I'd like to consider Lance Lynn don't think they will but then you've got the Flaherty's you've got the Gombers you've got the Dakota Hudson's and like you said maybe maybe scrape the bottom of the barrel or maybe get somebody on a shorter term deal um, just to fill up some innings but I think they're going to go young and, and that's not just because I think the Cardinals do it that way I think it's because these are some exciting guys going forward and I think give them a shot I wonder if a guy like John Gant might even find a little bit of a spot in the rotation next year he's a guy that sort of bounced back and fourth, I think he's you know tasted St. Louis a little bit. He got a little bit of time in Atlanta. But for the most part, he spent the last couple of years in AAA. He's done pretty well there. He hasn't done as well when he's gotten to the major leagues. But maybe he can serve as sort of a depth piece to where if the Cardinals decide they want to roll with Luke Weaver 
and Jack Flaherty to round out the rotation. If one if somebody gets hurt, if somebody's ineffective, maybe Gant can kind of come in and be a little bit of insurance. Because I do think the Cardinals have the prospect depth to absorb some injuries. They won't be as good. Like, I don't get me wrong, John Gant's you know a very good pitcher, you know in the grand scheme of things. But he's not a Jack Flaherty, and he's not really a very capable, or at least probably not a very capable MLB pitcher. But he at least can get some innings. You know, he can eat up some innings. And if things are going to the point where you have to rely on guys like Myers or Gant, or you got to really reach down for maybe somebody that we aren't even thinking of right now, maybe like a Zach Gallen at some point next year. If you're reaching that much, it's probably a little bit of a lost season anyways, and at that point you might as well see what you have with some of the young guys, kind of like what they're doing at the end of this season. I, I don't know that it's like a it's definitely a risky strategy to go in relying on, you know, basically two rookie pitchers to round out your rotation and then a bunch of prospects to serve as depth, but I think with the Cardinals current roster construction and the free agent market I I just don't really know that there's going to be too much of another option. There is a, a surplus of pitching on this year's market, so maybe they can go bargain hunting after some of the dominoes fall. I think that if they could get a guy on a one- or a two-year deal, that would be okay. If they could get Lance Lynn to come back for one or two years, you know, for me preferably one, um, then that would be fine too. But I don't really see it happening. So I don't know if you have any thoughts. Um, you can go ahead and close us out. Um, we're running a little bit longer, just barely than we try to keep. We try to keep it at thirty minutes. So, I'll give you the final thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about the rest of the season. I'm not excited with the the way the team's performing, obviously. But I'm gonna enjoy the baseball that we have left. I think we got thirty-one games left, thirty or thirty-one games. Um, I'm gonna. I'm really excited come September, except. I think a lot of the promotions that I was looking forward to seeing might be limited to start since our clubs or all our minor league clubs seem to be in the playoffs, um, at least the top two. Um, I think Springfield's surging to get into the playoffs. But, I mean, it's baseball. I'm not ready to call it college basketball or college football season, so I'd, I'd rather people not be as depressing as they are on Twitter. Um, lately let's just enjoy it and let's see what we can do and uh, all donations are good no matter how much those donations are and no matter the value of a franchise and that is all from me all right thanks for listening thanks for tuning in this has been the second episode of on the black with joe schwartz and zach gifford we will see you next time thank you